On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Consumer Reports helps affect positive change for all Model 3 owners. Model 3 may get an optional key fob, a la the Model S and Model X. The Performance Model 3 gets an upgrade before it's even released, and more. Greetings, friends. Welcome to the 148th edition of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast for June 3rd, 2018. I'm Ryan McCaffrey, joined as always by uh, what is this week a very attentive Daisy the Boxer Puppy. She is still awake, not asleep. Uh, She's kind of looking up at me like, you got anything else? Uh, I always give her on the first of the month, which is when I'm recording, uh, I always give her her monthly flea uh, and tick and heartworm pills. And so she's just gobbled those up and she thinks they're treats, which is great. She's like, yeah, you got anything else? Like, nothing else for now, Daisy. Sorry. Just enjoy the show, puppy. Uh, So, lots more to get to. Another busy week of Tesla news. Nary a week goes by anymore without something interesting happening. Uh, But with that, I do want to get right to it because the shows have, look, they've all been about an hour and a half uh, per episode about for the last month or so. And I'd like to bring that down a little bit back closer to an hour because, again, I very much value your time and I don't want to keep you for... Uh, I don't want to overstay my welcome, basically. So let's get right to it. The big news this week, you may have heard about this because this got talked about pretty far and wide. Consumer Reports, I did touch on this last week, but there is a big follow-up here. They, of course, had tested the Model 3 and found its breaking distance to be less than satisfactory across their repeated braking event tests. Uh, they, they saw some repeated instances that, that uh, were unsatisfactory, and they uh, withheld the Consumer Reports recommendation as a result of that. Elon Musk got involved right away, uh, vowed a fix, and in fact that fix was rolled out, uh, Elon tweeting, Really appreciate the high-quality critical feedback from Consumer Reports. Road noise and ride comfort already addressed, too. UI improvements coming via remote software update later this month. And he elaborated on that in another tweet saying, quote, Ride comfort and aero road noise already better than the Consumer Reports car, which was early production. Wish we could make the car perfect from day one, but there's always room for improvement. Highly recommend dropping tire pressure 10% below max to about 39 PSI for comfort only affects range by about 2%. But what was uh, really interesting about this, actually, I'll get to that in a second, but, but I'll start by saying this is exactly what a good feedback loop looks like. I said this last week, but you know, I'll say it again, good on all parties here. Consumer Reports, Elon Musk, and the Tesla Model 3 team. I mean, Consumer Reports did their full due diligence on their testing on behalf of their members who are consumers of vehicles. They're effectively Model 3 consumers. They published their findings, and then Elon Musk reacted quickly to uh, a, again, less than satisfactory test result and was able to adjust that, and and Consumer Reports got about a 19-foot improvement. Elon had said it'd be about 20, and that is indeed what they got. 
So the, and a, a credit as well, of course, the Model 3 team had to work very, very hard on this. They got an update ready to push out to the entire Model 3 fleet in less than a week. And now Model 3 gets the well-earned recommendation from Consumer Reports. The fact of the matter here is every current and future Model 3 owner is now better off for Consumer Reports work here. Let that not go unnoticed or unappreciated. So bravo to you, Consumer Reports. And again, well handled by Elon and Tesla as well. Now, something else newsworthy came out of this that uh, there was some chatter about, but I want to make sure to get it in front of you because this this could affect a lot of you in a... Uh, well, this could be good news for a lot of you, I'll say, and that's this. Elon Musk, during a conversation, a private conversation with Consumer Reports in the wake of their initial findings, reached out and sort of talked them through the state of the car and, and where things have improved and where things are going and obviously getting more direct feedback on the braking issue as Daisy the Boxer Puppy takes a nice drink behind me. That's that sound you hear. Uh, you know, Elon had acknowledged some of the other issues raised by Consumer Reports and uh, he says that there was a glass change to improve that cabin noise, a suspension update, which we'd already heard about that, to address ride comfort. But then there was this. Take a listen. This is Consumer Reports' Jake Fisher doing most of the talking here. One of the things that highlighted to him, which, again, we talked about in our story and we've written about, is this key, or lack thereof. <laughs> the key card. Yeah. <laughs> so when you have... Right, so so there's no actual physical key that comes with the Tesla Model Three. It's despite, like a credit card kind of thing. Yeah. Well, unless you have the app, it's well, a major inconvenience. Well, look, I mean the app, the app works well. Right. Okay. I mean, I've I've used the app and it knows I'm there and it sets, it knows who I am and it sets everything. That works great. So it just senses my cell phone as I'm walking up and unlocks. That's that's fine. The problem comes is if you're giving the car to someone else. And not right. that you're, you're renting it to people, but it's like, what if you go to a, a valet right. or you go to a parking saying. garage? I live in the city and I gotta go give it to the guy. I'm not sure if it's coming back. You're flying and leaving it at a parking, you know. Yeah. Right, exactly. So it has this little credit card, right? And you have to kind of figure out where to put it, right? And you have to like put it a certain location and it's, you know, it, it, it doesn't work well. And it's a very narrow location. It's a very, <laughs> right, it doesn't have much of a range. Right, right. Um, and, you know, he admitted that it's like, yeah, this isn't working too well and we really should do something better. So, so it, I mean, again, I don't know if they're going to do it or not, but he, he said, yeah, we really need to provide a normal key to yeah. those, to, to the customers of this car. Now, I found this very interesting that, that in the wake of additional constructive criticism from Consumer Reports, a, a highly well-respected outlet. You'll remember that Consumer Reports is the same outlet whose uh, scale was broken by the P85D. That's how good that car tested for them. But uh, what was, yeah, what was fascinating here is that Elon uh, suggesting that maybe due to issues with the Bluetooth key, the smartphone as a key, that Tesla is considering offering a key fob in the in the traditional Model S and Model X sense for Model 3 customers. Now, presumably, if they did go forward with this, it would be offered at some cost to existing owners. Probably, I, I, I would think it would be offered at cost, whatever Tesla's cost to manufacture it is. 
Maybe if we're lucky, they'd even the early either the uh, at least the early owners, the existing owners, uh, if not every owner, maybe gets a, a free one. But I think at the very worst, from here forward, or at least here being if if and when the day comes that Tesla offers a key fob, uh, presumably as an option, not as a, an included thing, I I would suspect it would be an at cost post-delivery option and that the key card would still be the default because there are still plenty of people for whom the key f- uh, the key card and smartphone, specifically the, the Bluetooth smartphone functionality, is working great. I'm very curious to see how well it's going to work for me once I get my car, and I'm, I'm, I'd be curious to hear from you guys as well, certainly because there are so many different phones out there. There are a lot of threads out there in the Tesla community with folks having issues with the reliability of that smartphone as the key. Now, I've, I personally, I have an iPhone 10, and from what I have read, what I have seen in all those threads about that specific phone, iPhone 10 owners seem to have very few complaints. Uh, but again, kudos to Consumer Reports for raising this, and very interesting that Elon suggests that that may be something that they look into. If you want to hear, I'll give a plug for them here. If you do want to hear the rest of that analysis that the Consumer Reports crew gave there, you can look up their podcast. It's called Talking Cars. You can find it on YouTube. It's episode number 124, so do check that out. But uh, good stuff coming out of Consumer Reports all around. I'd be curious if, uh, if the key fob actually does happen how long that takes because, you know, production is scaling up and up and up on a week-by-week basis for Model 3. The longer Tesla waits, if they do decide to to offer a key fob, the more they're going to have to uh, retroactively deal with, with existing cars in the fleet, but we'll see what happens. Next topic this week is uh, another that, that maybe uh, you, you heard about, maybe not, because this is uh, this is one that's a, very much kind of a little inside baseball within the, the Tesla community, but it's one that I think is particularly relevant, and, and not so much for the subject of, of the accident himself, but I want to talk about sort of what it means for the greater state of things. Uh, I'm going to let Stefan from Toronto introduce this one. He called in about it. So, Stefan, go ahead. Hi, Ryan. It's Stefan from Toronto. Uh, thanks for all the work you do with the Tesla podcast. Uh, loving your show, listen to it every week. I uh, just wanted to bring something up that um, happened about less than an hour ago. It's about 5.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Friday. Uh, looks like uh, Yu the individual that uh, we've been talking about that uh, has introduced the Model 3 to Europe, has just recently gone into a pretty bad car accident. Uh, apparently, the vehicle was engaged on autopilot around 120 kilometers an hour, and, it, and the car suddenly veered um, into uh, the center median. Uh, he says it veered right, but the entire left side of the car is damaged, so I think he meant it veered left. Um, if you look at the Tesla Model 3 road trip uh, Facebook page, you'll see the picture there. Um, a little unfortunate, but uh, it seems like uh, this is happening more and more. just want to get your thoughts around... Um, why you think uh, the uh, the autopilot, the EAP, is causing the cars to suddenly veer into a median uh, when it's just going straight and not avoiding a you know an object that's like uh, right there in front of it? Um, 
and that that could be easily avoided. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. And again, I hope he's okay. It seems like he says he is, but it's really unfortunate that uh, someone who brought uh, the Model 3, all that joy to Europe uh, is now uh, unfortunately not going to have that car there anymore. Thanks and have a great day. Pardon me, Stefan. I was mispronouncing your name there up front. I apologize for that. I should have uh, made more phonetic notes in my show notes there, so I would not have made that mistake. Anyway, uh, so Yu Yu was not injured in this crash by all accounts, and I, I don't really want to talk about him specifically and, and his incident because there's sort of a lot. There's a lot of other things to a, to potentially discuss there, and I I don't think this is really the venue or or really the the best place for it. But what I what this made me think about was the state of autopilot, particularly as Tesla is going to scale here very, very quickly, because more and more new first-time Tesla owners are getting their cars every day. And by all accounts, the floodgates are going to open in Q3 and into Q4 and, and certainly and beyond. What, you know, when they hit that 5,000 car per week uh, spot in, in the ramp, uh, which is due to happen in July, and the, the tax credit is supposedly, you know, we're, we're looking at it phasing uh, in July in Q3, which means they're going to be, I mean, everything is aligned for them to just start pumping out cars en masse starting in Q3. And I just worry because we, you know, these autopilot crash stories are now becoming a, a very frequent occurrence. And this one with Yu Yu is, is no exception. This is a person who has been very visible in the Tesla community. You know, they, I've talked about him here on the podcast before. He, he drove his, he had an early production car that he drove all across the United States, up into Canada and back, and then shipped the car over to Europe. Uh, even though there's no official infrastructure there, but he went ahead, he did it, and he, a lot of uh, European Tesla Model 3 reservation holders have been able to get their first ever look at the car because of it. So there's, you know, that's that's been a that's earned him a lot of visibility, uh, and and whatever you may may think of that, uh, this is a a particularly noteworthy accident. Because again, we're talking about, we've heard Elon say this a couple of times, we're talking about a crash in a situation with a very experienced autopilot driver. And this, this is now, you know, another one of these that, that's happening. And, and again, what I worry about, I know, you know, it is the more experienced drivers that seem to have the issue, but I, I still worry about the new customers because just because they're not going to be used to the system, you know, our are they going to be able to adapt when when the system is uh, not performing ideally, as as it may not have here and it may not have in in the Mountain View fatal crash? Uh, the, you know the the number. I guess what I'm worried about is I'm worried that we may reach a tipping point, fair or not, in the press, in the public eye, where the bad press piles up and piles up and piles up. And leads to Tesla having to restrict the system in some way, shape, or form. The number of people getting access to autopilot, it just, again, it, it is increasing at a substantial 
rate as Model 3 production volume picks up, and that's on top of the steady stream of Model S and Model X vehicles that continue to roll out in a, in a very sort of predictable way, about, about 50,000 per year of each of those vehicles. So I, I think where I'm going with this is I wonder how Tesla addresses this, because you don't want to get to a point where the reputation for autopilot becomes completely, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's sort of irrecover uh, unrecoverable, that would be the proper word. Just where just the, the amount of negativity and bad press and, and negative attention piles up where it just becomes a thing where nobody buys it on the car anymore and it, it stains Tesla's reputation and it becomes sort of the MO of the company and of the car. Now, maybe that's hyperbolic of me to say, but again, I'm just thinking worst case scenario here. I'm seeing what's happening and I see the, the sort of state of of media and of news today. And I'm not saying the media, but just that things get, things blow up very, very quickly. And so I, I worry about it, you know? It, and I, so what I'm, what I'm hoping is going on within the walls of Tesla is that the autopilot team will be able to get level three done, which is actual hands-off driving uh, on the freeways. I'm hoping that the autopilot team can get level three done before autopilot's reputation hits a point of no return for the, for the worse. So, you know, the, the, you know, yes, there's a lot of other factors here. There are the shorts, there are the fudsters that, that want to amplify all of these things. I don't want to beat that dead horse and talk about that more, but I will say, yeah, so it's, it's not all of this attention may be fair, uh, as Elon has pointed out with the fact that every autopilot-related incident gets huge press and the thousands upon thousands of, of accidents in literally any other car on the planet gets no, no attention whatsoever. But I just worry about the direction that we could be headed in here uh, as, it, as it pertains to autopilot use for all of us. I think Tesla, they may need to take some action beyond just trying to get development sped up and, and, and uh, rolled out as much as possible on, on Im improving autopilot features. But, you know, are they going to have to make a more strict and substantial tutorial video that you have to watch on the screen before you can use the system for, for any driver profile that's on the car? Are, uh, are they going to penalize you somehow if you aren't if you're detected not keeping your hands on the wheel like are you going to get locked out of it are you going to get sort of like a, a a temporary ban like you're on a message board like you're on you know a reddit or something you know you're going to get banned for 24 hours or 72 hours or a week or something i don't quite know what the best solution is but i i hope and i i do trust that tesla is thinking about this so um, again, th these are good discussion topics. I welcome your thoughts on this. If you're worried, maybe you are, maybe you're not. I'd love to hear from you either way. Stay tuned for the Ride the Lightning hotline. I'll give you all the call-in details and all that if you haven't already <laughs> memorized it by now for you longtime listeners. We're not done. We've got plenty more Tesla news to cover. And the rest of it, pretty much the rest of it this week, comes from Elon Musk's Twitter account once again. He continues to be very, very active on Twitter, engaging with people and giving out a lot of information, including, once again, I am grateful to say, 
to me. So I'll start with that. Uh, I asked Elon, I, you know, the topic of the, the red brake calipers came up, you know, I brought that up and that was a thing I was curious about. And I, I shared my exchange with Elon about that on last week's show. Well, I was reading a forum thread about it and someone mentioned a, a, a very good point. They said, well, wait a second. The performance model, shouldn't it need larger brakes? Because we're talking about a lot more power here. If you're taking it to the track, as Elon has promised, it's going to be a great track car, regardless of whether he's talking about track track or drag strip. Uh, this car, the performance car probably needs more substantial brakes. So people were curious about that. And I thought, all right, let me see if I can phrase that in, in a way to Elon that might get an answer from him. I caught him at the right time, and I asked this. Elon, might you be willing to answer one more thing about the brakes on Performance Model 3? I'm still hoping to get those red brake calipers. You kindly said maybe too, but I'm also curious if the brakes are larger than on the rear-wheel drive Model 3. With all that power, it'd seem like they need to be. And, very kindly, Elon Musk replied to me just a few minutes later and said, yes, Model 3 Performance will have red calipers, woohoo, and sport-level brakes. Yes, that is great news. So, uh, we did it, you guys. <laughs> we did it. I mean, I will say, I, I can't imagine, I, I really don't think that I actually affected any change here. What I suspect was going on was that this was probably already in the works, but they just didn't want to promise it in case it wasn't ready in time for the P3D launch. So that's why it's not listed in the design studio when you when you click on a performance configuration. But now it is promised. And either way, I don't care if I had anything to do with it or not, I am thrilled. I am genuinely super stoked about this because uh, I chose the paint color that matches those beautiful red paint calipers. I'm really looking forward to seeing just that nice, subtle look. I don't, need, I don't necessarily need a, a fancy badge on the back of the car. I don't, you know, I, I'm definitely more of a low-key guy in general. You know, I'm, I'm not a, a, I'm sort of a minimalist when it comes to the, the things, the designs of things that I like. But, you know, the red brake calipers... It's just a nice touch. I think I said talked about it last week, so I won't belabor the point here. But uh, even more so, getting these sport-level brakes, better brakes, on the Performance Model 3, that is fantastic news. A little bit more for your money with that, with that uh, performance upgrade package. Um, now, someone followed up wondering, and it's a good question, will those sport brakes also be on the 3D? As I'm now going to call it, because 3D is awesome. You know, it's that's a fun that's a fun term. It's it's already a thing, but why not call it the 3D, right? The 3D and the P3D. So the dual. I'm meaning, of course, the dual motor three. So Elon replied to a person who asked that, and Elon did say no. The 3D will not get the sport level brakes. He says no, but dual motors means increased regen braking and will ride tire traction limit. You won't notice sport brakes unless you're on a racetrack and have the sticky 20-inch tires. Check and check, as I do, as I, I can't wait to take this thing. I've never, I've never gone to a track before. I'm very excited to, to do some new things, some things I've never done before. 
with this car. It's going to be fun. But uh, yeah, I'm very, very grateful to Elon for answering me on that. And that, like I said, that, that totally made my day. As you can imagine, like, I mean, as a friend of mine texted me and said, he, he goes, he, he saw it on Twitter and he texted me and he was like, he's like, dude, you're, it's like you're upgrading your own car in real time on Twitter with Elon Musk. And it, like, I, I laughed, but he was kind of right. It's neat. It's like, oh, what a, uh, you know, it's the car's already ordered the, the, you know, the, and it was listed with features, you know, one through seven. Well, now we've added feature eight and nine since, since confirming that order. How fun is that? Uh, speaking of the P3D, it will start rolling out before the 3D does. Elon saying, yes, performance first and then all-wheel drive. Production costs are always high when the line first gets going, so we have to sell higher-priced versions first, or each car will have very negative margins. As production efficiency rises, we can make lower-cost versions and not lose money. There was lots more from Elon Musk on Twitter, including this. This is a big one, I think, for a lot of people. This made me very happy to see. Uh, someone asked him once again, he's mentioned a couple times in the past, about that dash cam feature. You know, will will uh, Tesla act, use its, be able to let users use its onboard cameras for dash cam functionality? Well, it is now on the roadmap for firmware version 8.3, we're using S and X nomenclature here, not Model 3 nomenclature. Uh, now, for context on that, we're on 8.1, and 8.2, according to Elon, is planned for release, quote, within the next few months. So, if you are planning on buying and installing a physical dash cam in a Model 3 or SRX that you're planning on taking delivery of sometime in 2018... You should definitely know this. You just be aware that this is coming. This may impact your purchasing decision for that. It may not, because uh, because obviously there's there is the the big asterisk, the caveat of say it with me, Elon time. So you know we'll have to see when it actually rolls out. But it seems reasonable that the dash cam may in fact be not too far away. Maybe you know maybe even by the end of the year. If all goes well, we'll see. Now that version 8.2 in the next few months will include the ability for rear passengers to use the Tesla app to adjust rear climate control and seat heaters, which is pretty cool across the Tesla fleet. And that 8.2 is going to bring blind spot notification chimes. Yes! A lot of people have been asking about that. I've brought that up as well. I wanted to see some additional blind spot uh, technology and and sort of well at least implementation of it. You know, to the end user on these cars, we are going to get that, which is fantastic news. Very glad we're going to be getting something for the blind spot monitoring because you know I, if you've spent any if you've driven any of the Teslas, the the SX or three, all three of them or at least in my humble opinion, they're not cars where you can really see that much when of your blind spot when you physically turn your head to check it because of the way, uh, what is it, I guess that's the C-pillars back there uh, on, on any of the cars. It's, there's just, you can't really see a lot behind you in those, uh, in those blind spots, particularly on the driver's side. So uh, having that chime there will be really great. 
course, I did mention a couple weeks ago, uh, checking out Michael from Milbray's car, the on the 3 specifically, because the S and the X already have great cameras, the software on the Model 3's backup camera has impre- improved dramatically, and it is now actually useful when the car is in motion. When the, when the Model 3 first came out, it was basically not usable once the car was in motion, at least in my humble opinion. So uh, a lot of improvements. This is all good news here. Speaking of uh, good news, that will have to wait for anyone in India who is looking to purchase a Tesla. Tesla does have India on their radar, but no plans to launch there just yet. Elon saying, quote, would love to be in India. Some challenging government regulations, unfortunately. Deepak Ahuja, our CFO, is from India. Tesla will be there as soon as he believes we should. So uh, no immediate plans for Tesla to launch in what is a very, very large and and, uh, fast-growing global market. Uh, the country of India. So um, we'll we'll just have to hang back and see when Tesla can uh, feel like the time is right to officially roll out in India. While we're going global here, let's talk about right-hand drive Model 3s for a moment. I do know for a fact that I've got a lot of British and a lot of Australian listeners out there, so this is of interest to you guys. Elon saying, quote, Model 3 was designed for minimum engineering and tooling change for right-hand drive. In other words, he's saying in order to convert and manufacture right-hand drive cars. Elon says, note the left-right symmetry. Left-hand drive for Europe and Asia, first half of next year, meaning 2019, of course. Right-hand drive, probably middle of next year. So if you are a right-hand drive customer of the Model 3, uh, you have got a bit of a wait, I'm afraid. You're looking at, at a year or more from right now. So that is not going to be good news for, uh, for a number of my listeners. And believe me, I, I sympathize on that. That is, uh, that is unfortunate to hear. I mean, you know, it's, it's tough when... It's like Tesla's supposed to be heading towards 10,000 cars per week to 10,000 Model 3s per week produced by the end of calendar 2018. So boy, you would think once they're getting up to seven, eight, nine, maybe they could divert, you know, a line and start cooking up those right-hand drive cars. But unfortunately, it does look like the right-hand drives are going to have to wait until the middle of 2019. Meanwhile, here's a a somewhat frequently asked question that Elon put to rest. And that's, you know, a lot of people have wondered, and I've certainly thought about it myself, well, is the Model 3 ever going to be produced with a bioweapon defense mode? It's a a big safety feature that was touted. I mean, if if you remember back to the Model X launch event, they spent a ton of time during that presentation, Elon did, on bioweapon defense mode and how, you know, it turns the cabin into something that's like a cleaner air than a hospital room and just a really, you know, beneficial thing if you're ever if you're ever in a a real bad environmental situation, your car can be a very safe place to breathe. You know, I kind of always figured that the Model 3 that was probably never going to get it if for no other reason then it's just a it's a differentiator between 
one of the one of, honestly one of the few differentiators, like physical hardware differentiators between the lower cost three and the more premium S and X. Elon saying that it is actually a physical issue, not so much a political or financial one. He says, uh, in addition to bioweapon defense mode, Model S and X also have an acid gas filter, an alkaline gas filter, and a carbon monoxide detector that auto-switches the car to recirc mode. We should probably tell people about this more. Filters are giant, so too big to fit in Model 3. So uh, that pretty well lays to rest any hope of the Model 3 getting a bioweapon defense mode filtration system anytime in the near future. A couple more things from Elon on Twitter this week. He kindly replied to my friend Kim from the Like Tesla YouTube channel. She has an issue with the Model X cup holder design. She says, quote, they pop out with every passenger ingress or egress with the slightest touch. Elon replying saying, noted, we can probably adjust spring force and catch to be less sensitive. Cup holders are amazingly hard to get right. I've literally had dreams about cup holder designs, a dream that would probably be a nightmare in reality. Cup holder that auto adjusts for size and stiffness of cup or bottle, maintained cold or hot temperature and dried off water condensation. He's saying that's sort of his dream scenario. But he notes, or I could work on getting humanity to Mars tough choice, he says sarcastically. So uh, if you have an S or an X and your rear seat cup holders are a little finicky and you're not a fan of them, well, it sounds like uh, Tesla may work up a revised design that perhaps you could have retrofitted into your current car. I would hope if indeed uh, that comes to be. Because, yeah, I, I mean, I could see I'm I'm such a, I'm very much a, a I don't know if perfectionist is the right word, but I really like to keep my cars clean and neat inside and out. Uh, and yeah, having a, a, a cup holder, a, a extendable cup holder that was just way too sensitive, that would make me, that would be a, such a little thing that would, that would totally make me nuts. So uh, I can sympathize with Kim on that one. Now, finally, Elon had noted on Twitter, I think I've mentioned this before, but just, just in case you didn't know this, about Tesla's, Elon reminding us that, hey, we can give feedback directly to the Tesla software teams. He says, to report a bug or ask for a feature, press the voice button in your car, it's on the steering wheel, say bug report followed by whatever it is you want to say. And you can, that will automatically upload via your car's LTE data connection. And that will find its way uh, to the respective software team of whichever car you happen to be in. So if you've got a cool idea, do it. Upload it. Why not? If you just if you just want to wish them a nice day, well, I, I you know we probably want to not bog them their time down too much, even with nice things to say. Maybe maybe once in a while, you drop them a little nice note. Say, bug report. I hope you're having a wonderful day. I love my car. Thank you so much for it. You know, something like that. Why not? Just every now and again. Couldn't hurt. A little kindness makes the world a better place. But yes, there, that was uh, the last of Elon's notable Tesla-related tweets of the week. And in fact, I just wanted to note one more 
uh, newsy item this week before we move on to the Ride the Lightning hotline. This may be of interest to folks, so I did want to mention it. A friend of mine passed it along to me, and it's on July 1st, so uh, one month from my recording time today. On July 1st, Speed Ventures will host the 10th annual Refuel EV track event at Laguna Seca, you know, world-famous track down in Monterey, California. Refuel welcomes electric cars and motorcycles to showcase clean power technology in a motorsport setting. Uh, the I won't read the whole press release to you here, but basically, if you go, you can drive your car, your electric vehicle, on the Laguna Seca track. And it says here, at speed, and receive basic performance driving instruction. That That alone... Sounds awesome. They're gonna have a, there, there's a time trial, free charging stations, uh, a parade lap on the historic race course. That that all sounds. I'll tell you, this sounds. I don't want this to sound like an ad because it's not. It's just somebody. I just want to pass this along because uh, uh, it somebody mentioned it to me and it seemed like a thing that you guys might like. But this that sounds totally fun. So I'm gonna keep this on my radar for next year. When I'll have my car, when I'll have my Model 3. So uh, if you're in the Bay Area or, or maybe just somewhere in California and you're up for a little road trip, maybe, why not check this out? It sounds super cool. So um, I'm sure I don't have a website for it here, but if you're interested, I guess probably Google, uh, Google Refuel EV Laguna Seca Monterey or something like that. That ought to find it for you. And that wraps it up for this week in Tesla news. As usual, I've got a whole bunch of excellent Ride the Lightning hotline calls queued up and ready to go. Your questions, your comments, your discussion topics, we'll get to them right after this. time for the Ride the Lightning Hotline. It is your time to participate. I would love it if you would. You can reach me one of two easy ways. You can either record your question on your smartphone and use the built-in voice recorder there and just email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can call and leave a message anytime on the toll-free Ride the Lightning Hotline. Just dial 1-888-989-8752. That's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake, visit lifeonrecord.com if you'd like to learn more. Let's kick it off with Carl in Pennsylvania, who has an idea for a game that Tesla could put on the touchscreen. We talked about that last week. So Carl, go ahead. Hey Ryan, this is Carl from PA. I wanted to throw my two cents in for what would be the good game that you could play on the pad while the car is at the supercharger. I was thinking that they could show a picture of a supercharger and you get multiple choice options for where in the world that supercharger is. I think that'd be fun. It would show that, that superchargers are all over the world and people would uh, you know, have fun seeing where, where they could have possibly charged if they ever went on a worldwide road trip. All right, bye. I like that, Carl. Maybe you could be given clues about the town to help you figure it out too, right? That could be a fun, fun little part of the game. And I agree too. It would be a fun way to showcase the whole growing supercharger network as a whole and spread a positive message about 
EV travel. So good suggestion, Carl. I like that. Let's go next to Brian from Minneapolis. You may remember him as the gentleman who was having trouble getting a test drive, being under age 25. Well, there's one last follow-up from this that I think uh, could be useful to some other folks. So, Brian, tell us about it. Hi, Ryan. This is Brian up in Minneapolis. I had called a few weeks ago about uh, the test drive situation with uh, the Tesla stores and and some of the issues with the age uh, restrictions that certain stores were putting on. Well, uh, it's safe to say that I found a solution. So it is currently Sunday, um, Memorial Day weekend, and I had just finished a 24-hour Tesla rental. So um, for any... Uh, younger, um, you know, prospective drivers, uh, Tesla owners in my area, um, there is a company in the area called Trevels that will be more than happy to rent you a Model 3, a Model S, or a Model X uh, at the age of 21 and above, uh, valid driver's license, as well as uh, insurance on a current car. Um, their prices are super reasonable. Look them up online. Um, I would recommend this to anyone in the country. You, you know, look at you know, potential rental companies in the area that are willing to uh, rent out to younger buyers. Um, just safe to say, after my 24 hours of, um, you know, having the Model S, I'm absolutely astonished. I'm I'm in awe with the absolute performance, comfort, and the overall incredible, I don't even know if this is the word, the incredibleness of the the, the Model S and, and Tesla as a whole. Just, just wanted to, you know, get a response out to that and, um, anyone else is uh, younger looking to try one out, uh, check out uh, the potential of rentering in your area. Thanks, Ryan. Talk to you later. Thank you for that follow-up, Brian. I'm very glad that you were able to get behind the wheel. That is awesome. And clearly, that experience did absolutely nothing to diminish your enthusiasm for getting a Tesla. And hey, good suggestion for other younger folks as well. Cheers to you, Brian. Thanks for calling back in. Let's go next to, I believe I had a little trouble uh, with the name here. It was very quick. I believe it's Hassan from Dubai, who is a longtime listener, first-time caller. He wants to talk about battery chemistry. Hassan, go ahead. Hello, Ryan. This is Hassan Al-Sharif calling from Dubai. Long-time listener, first-time caller. I wanted to know your thoughts about the new battery chemistry. When do you think they'll be involved in the Models S and X production? We all remember that Elon Musk said that the form factor of the batteries in the Models S and X won't change to the 2170s. But what about the chemistry? Now, after a rough calculation I did with a friend, if we divide the 2 billion batteries which they bought from Panasonic by the delivered vehicles, Models S and X, you'll find out there are around 10,000 vehicles left before they run out of stock. This calculation was made by counting all delivered models S and X between Q1 2014 up to Q1 2018, assuming that each vehicle carries 7,000 cells. I hope I'm correct with the duration. How do you think Tesla planned for the new battery production for the models S and X? Thanks and take care. Excellent question here. You're right that the S and the X appear to be sticking with the 18650 cell form factor, as Tesla has previously stated. The S and the X seem like they are not going to be messed with too much for a while. We saw the the new uh, MCU unit go into the S and the X, the new uh, interior option with the, the light wood finish, as well as part of the, the cream interior. But generally speaking, it seems like that until Tesla does a full redesign of each, uh, which 
uh, at that point, maybe once once that rolls around, they can look at implementing the 2170s or maybe even something newer than that. But the chemistry, I'll tell you, even if your calculations are remotely close, and I have no doubt that they probably are, I suspect Tesla will sneak it in quietly for one reason. And one reason, Panasonic makes Tesla's batteries custom, specific to Tesla, to their specifications, so it can be anything they want. So for all we know, the chemistry switch has already happened. Uh, thank you so much for calling in. Excellent call there. Let's go next to, uh, actually, we've got a Ryan block. So uh, me, Ryan, I'm going to answer. We've got calls from a couple of Ryans coming up here. First up, Ryan from Denver wants to talk about uh, delivery timing for, uh, for the Model 3 these days. Ryan from Denver, you're on the air. Hey, Ryan. It's Ryan from Denver again, and I have a question for you. What the heck is going on in Fremont? On May 20th, Tesla did two contradictory things. One, they sent out an email to a bunch of people telling them that their deliveries were getting pushed out to June or July. Many of these people configured their cars a month ago. Two, on that very same day, Tesla updated the Model 3 product page. It now lists much shorter wait times for people placing new reservations. The new window for a first production car is four to six months. In other words, someone placing a new order today might expect to receive their car in September. That implies that if you have already made a reservation, you live in the US, and you want a first production car, Tesla thinks it can get it to you no later than August. That would be pretty sweet. If they can pull it off, it might even cause Elon's short burn of the century. But if that's the case, then why has Tesla stopped sending out invites? Why are people who have already configured getting their orders delayed? And why did the last batch of invites they sent out go to Canada? All of this weirdness is explained very neatly if you assume Tesla is delaying their 200,000th US delivery until after July 1st. I know this has been brought up many times before, but this evidence is so strong that I think it's worth bringing up again. If I'm right, we can expect Tesla to send out a huge batch of invites in early to mid-June. What do you think? Am I crazy? Anyway, that's all I got. Thanks for a great show. No, Ryan, you are not crazy. I think you're exactly correct, and I agree with you that the evidence is mounting. What I suspect is going on is that for what may either be some legal reason or just for appearances' sake, it seems like Tesla can in no way be seen as obviously gaming the tax credit system. But they are the first company, the first car manufacturer to arrive at the 200,000 threshold. So the fact is we have no previous history of how other companies have handled it or how the government has reacted to how other companies have handled it. So to me, it's clear as day. Tesla is doing exactly as Elon mentioned they would. He said this exactly once long ago, I'm paraphrasing, that they would do right by their customers with regard to the tax credit. Uh, to me, they are absolutely stacking the deck in favor of their customers here. I think it's why the cars are going to Canada. It's why existing owners are being delayed until, uh, pardon me, existing orders are being delayed until July. It's why the ramp is going to hit 5,000 plus in July. I wouldn't be surprised if that 200,000th car all time uh, for the USA deliveries, I wouldn't be surprised if that delivery happens in the first three days 
of July. Because then at that point, it is on for two quarters. It is game on. Because that's where that short burn of the century is going to come from that Elon talked about if it's going to happen. Uh, and there are going to be a lot of new Tesla owners over the course of Q3 and Q4. I mean, if you do the rough math, if they actually get to 5,000 fairly early in the quarter, let's say, you know, those first, let's say by the third week of July, I mean, you're talking about 5,000 Model 3s a week on top of 1,000 S's and 1,000 X's. So you're talking about 7,000 cars a week for 12 weeks. I mean, they might do, let's see, that's, you know, let's call it 80,000 for that quarter because, you know, if you did maybe those first couple weeks, you know, 80K there, another 84. I mean, they might do 160-something thousand cars total after, you know, once the tax credit has triggered in that, in Q3, Q4 there. So we shall see. Uh, my thing is, the thing I, I worry about, I, I, I want to make sure this is an enthusiastic show, but uh, I can't help but worry a little bit about infrastructure. I really hope that Tesla's infrastructure is ready for this. And I, by that, I mean the service centers and the superchargers. Because once Tesla transitions from a garden hose to a fire hose, as far as production and deliveries go, there's really no going back from that. The support systems are going to need to be in place. In fact, uh, right at the end of this week, right on here on Friday, as I recorded, Tesla solicited questions for this coming week's share, uh, annual shareholders meeting. They're going to take some questions from Twitter. I submitted two. One of them was on this topic. The other question, if you hear it, by the way. So my first question was was about uh, if they're ready. You know what the what the update is on sales uh, or pardon me on service centers specifically, and also I mentioned uh, authorized body shops because I know that's been a problem for a lot of people. And then if you happen, if they uh, if they take a question about uh, what was my other thing? Great, now I'm blanking out. It was oh uh, I was asking about you know not the level four full self-driving coast-to-coast demo drive, I asked, hey, is there any update on like level three auto, uh, pardon me, level three self-driving features? In other words, the actual enhanced autopilot features that would demonstrably bring autopilot two past autopilot one. I I asked for an update on that. So if we hear any of those next week, you'll know (laughs) where they came from. Okay, uh, let's keep moving here to the other Ryan. Ryan from Salt Lake City, in this case, wants to talk about production priority as it pertains to the new models introduced to the Model 3 line. So Ryan from Salt Lake, go ahead. Hey Ryan, this is Ryan from Salt Lake City. I had a question that I'd like your opinion on. With the announcement of dual motor Model 3s beginning delivery in July, as well as Tesla attempting to become profitable in quarter three, and assuming the dual motor configurations have a higher margin, than the first production models, do you think Tesla will begin to prioritize dual motor and performance configurations over first production? Unfortunately, I wasn't able to reserve a Model 3 until June of 2016. My current delivery estimate for first production is July to September. Assuming, worst case scenario, the 200,000 car is delivered this quarter, that puts me right at the edge of the task credit availability for first production. I would prefer the dual motor, but it may end up costing me $8,750 rather than the $5,000, depending on how the tax credit works out. 
This obviously won't be an issue if Tesla can delay the number 200,000 to quarter three, but I just want to get your thoughts on how you think Tesla will prioritize dual motor and performance configuration over first production models in order to maximize their margins. Thank you so much for what you do. I love your show and I love all your work on IGN. Take care. Thank you for the kind words, Ryan. Now let's talk about this. First, I don't think there's any way that Tesla has already hit the 200,000 mark because I think we'd have heard about it somehow, some way. Uh, and as you heard from another fellow Ryan a moment ago, Elon is playing chess here. The full tax credit, I'm very sure, is going to be good through the end of December. I would be willing to bet an In-N-Out Burger lunch on that. And I think the point of Elon's chess game is that they won't even need to prioritize dual motor over first production because the ramp will be at 5,000 plus so that they can have their cake and eat it too. Now, Elon did say on Twitter this week that uh, performance would get produced first just to as things get ramped up uh, to, for those margins to cover the increased costs of production. Uh, and of course, we're still not going to be getting the standard battery for a while yet. As the, you know, there, So there is still a process here but I do think uh, that that's how it's going to go. Now, my other reason for this opinion is how the dual motor and performance orders have gone so far. Just as the first production orders did in the beginning, uh, you know, they, they've been sort of trickled out. So if they were going to prioritize the higher margin cars on a sort of large scale, like really favor them over first production, I think we would have seen the floodgates open on the orders for those cars, and that has not happened as of this recording. Recording. What did I say? That was the word was mangled slightly. Anyway, I'm going to move on. Uh, let's go to Devon down in Brisbane, Australia. Uh, wanted to the, the this this Tesla 2018 video with all these little Easter eggs in it. People continue to be fascinated by this. There's all sorts of little theories and observations. So let's hear one from Devon. Hey Ryan, it's David McCann here from Brisbane, Australia. I uh, just wanted to uh, reference back to uh, the video that Tesla released recently uh, around some images within the new Roadster. Um, I noticed when I was watching that video that I didn't see any speedometer in there at all and I was wondering whether maybe uh, the actual car itself didn't have a speedometer that was based in the central console, but actually upon the middle of the steering wheel. It's hard to tell. There's no real visibility of anything on that steering wheel, but it does look almost like there's a screen there. I'm wondering whether maybe Tesla's going to do a little bit more advanced stuff on the actual uh, steering wheel rather than have a heads-up display, sort of an interim solution before any heads-up display may be developed. Anyway, interesting to hear your thoughts. Uh, first time caller, been listening for a long time. Not a reservation holder, but uh, hopefully one day. Anyway, thanks. Love what you do. Bye. Great to hear from you, Devin. I stared at this again, and I am rather confident that there's no display of any kind on the steering wheel, or I guess uh, more specifically the steering yoke on the prototype uh, Roadster. It just says Tesla. On there now, there's the tiny display on the dash behind the wheel at the at the you know where the blade air vent is, and there's also one on the passenger side as well. I think this is where we're gonna get a HUD. Honestly, I think I said this at the reveal or after the reveal, I should say. But if if or put it this way, if we're going to get a heads-up display on a Tesla vehicle, 
it's going to be on the $200,000 hypercar. I cannot wait to see what Franz von Holzhausen and the design team cook up for that. Next up, Tim in Roanoke has a couple of questions that are relevant to a lot of people's interests and curiosities. So, Tim, go ahead. Hello, Ryan. Longtime listener and fellow Model 3 reservation holder, Tim from Roanoke, Virginia here. I wonder if you could please help me to know the pros and cons of both the air suspension option and also the tire size option. Thanks for your help, Ryan, and keep up the good work. I am happy to help here, Tim. This does come up from time to time, but it's one of those evergreen topics that everybody wants to know about, so I think it's good to revisit it from time to time, especially for people who might be newer listeners to the podcast. In short, air suspension offers a few benefits. First, it can raise the car up a couple inches to, for instance, clear parking curbs or help get you through odd driveways like mine, that was why I wanted it, and that sort of thing. It can also lower at speed automatically. Like say you can, you can set it for when it hits 55 miles an hour, it drops down an inch to just gain you the slightest bit of extra efficiency. Now that number, that slight number, if I remember correctly, has been quoted as 1% efficiency gain on the Model S. Finally, uh, many find that the air suspension offers a slightly smoother and more comfortable ride. So that's, uh, that's the uh, upside there. Now, some people cite that whether it's... I mean, it seems like the, the people I see on threads that talk about this, about the downside to the air suspension, are mostly talking about it with other cars. I haven't really necessarily seen it applied specifically to a Model S or, or, or a Model X, but there are people, too, that, that caution, hey, if your air suspension ever has a problem out of warranty, it's really expensive to fix. So just something to think about there with an air suspension. Now, the other thing uh, you were asking about, tire size. Tire size is going to affect your ride comfort. It's going to affect your handling. Larger tires and wheels, they're going to grip and corner a bit better in general, but the ride tends to be a bit harsher and the tires tend to not last as long and they cost more. But many people, and, and I am one of these people, very much like the look of the larger wheels more. So you've got kind of pluses and minuses either way on that and I hope that helps. Let's go next to Eric in Aiken, South Carolina. Wants to talk uh, brake calipers, talking, speaking of things in the wheel related department. Let's talk to Eric. Hi, Ryan. This is Eric from Aiken, South Carolina. I just had a question about the red brake calipers, uh, since you had mentioned them on the previous show. Uh, I specifically was interested in them for the non-performance edition and wondered if those were going to ever be available. Now, when I look through the Tesla shop, it looks like they are available for the Model S and the Model X. Um, so I would think that they would offer them for the, the Model 3 at some point. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? And I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for your call, Eric. I think it will happen in time, but with Tesla's bandwidth being devoted almost entirely to Model 3 production, my expectation would be that an official aftermarket accessory like this is probably going to be a lower priority. I mean, remember last week when we talked about Elon mentioning the turbine wheels for Model 3 coming later this year because they're just too busy otherwise to get to them? 
I kind of figure that red calipers would fall into that exact same category from a you know aftermarket uh, perspective. So I do think they'll come. They did for the S and the X, but I'll bet it's going to be at least six months or so if I were if I were a guessing type, and I happen to be. <laughs> Eric, thanks so much for the call. Uh, we've got what three more calls to close out this week. Let's go to Craig in Sydney responding to Tim, who was, remember, if you remember, he was planning to bring his car uh, down to Australia. Let's get a little more info from Craig. Hey, Ryan, this is Craig from Sydney, Australia calling. You had a caller, Tim, who called in two podcasts back, who was planning to move to Australia for work and bring his left-hand drive Tesla Model 3 along with him. You also had a caller who called in last week who stated that vehicles need to be converted to right-hand drive to be driven on Australian roads unless they are more than 30 years old, which is correct. The only exception to this is if the vehicle is only here on a temporary basis. So if Tim's not planning to take up permanent residency and is only here on a temporary basis, the vehicle can be driven on our roads, as often known as a overseas visiting vehicle. He would just need to contact the local transport authority in the state or territory that he's planning to travel to for further information. Love the show, Ryan. Great work. Keep it up. I listen always. Cheers. That is extremely helpful information, Craig. Thank you so much. And this is just one of those calls that I have nothing to add to. It's just good information. This is great. Thank you, Craig. Two more calls for this week before we uh, wrap things up. Jeff from Dallas wants to talk about the decision to go Model S or Model 3. Jeff, let's talk. Ryan, hi, it's Jeff from Dallas. First of all, let me say I'm super excited for you that you're gonna be able to have your performance model, Model 3, uh, in short order, hopefully. Question I've got for you relates to my situation. I placed my reservation for a Model 3 back in March of this year, so, Before I would be eligible for a performance model, it would be quite some time, I would imagine, though who knows exactly. But the question is, a performance model Model 3 or a base model Model S? Now, from a performance perspective in general, they're going to be reasonably close, Uh, you know, assuming things stay as is, which means a low low four-second or maybe high three-second Model S or a mid to lowish performance model Model S. When comparing those two, how did you arrive at the Model 3 being the better decision? You know, I look at the size of the Model S and at times think that that's the better route, but at the same time, the the newer, sleeker look of the Model 3 is appealing. Anyway, look forward to your thoughts. Thanks again. Keep up the good work. Excellent call here, Jeff. I was going over this in my head recently, in fact, because I don't know if I ever talked about this on the podcast, but I was actually seriously considering going with a Model S just prior to the Model 3 reveal, because I had a plan in my mind. I thought, if this thing, meaning the Model 3, if this thing is disappointing in any way, I think I might be able to financially make a lower end Model S work and I know that's a great car. Model S, best car on the planet. Thankfully, 
after that launch event on July 28th of last year, the Model 3 exceeded my expectations, what with the 310 miles of range and uh, of an interior that I was extremely happy with as far as the quality and comfort of it after seeing it up close and touching it and riding in the car. So uh, for me, it was this was always the plan, Jeff. I, I knew that financially I was hopefully going to be in a place to either pull off a lower end Model S, you know, a 75D or a higher end 3 for about the same money. And I have to say, fast forward to now here in, you know, June 2018 with my uh, order placed for my Model 3, I don't regret the decision at all. I feel, uh, I feel really good uh, about my choice as of now. I I wanted the performance, so obviously I'm very happy there. And and I'll tell you, even if I hadn't gone performance, the 3D is 0 to 60 in 4.5 seconds, which is not only awesome in a vacuum, but it's only three-tenths of a second slower, quote-unquote, I'm using slower in air quotes, but uh, three-tenths off from a Model S 75D, which is rated at 4.2 seconds after the uncorking. The smaller size, the physically smaller size of the Model 3 is actually a benefit to me as someone who lives and works in San Francisco, which is a very tight city to get around in. And and I do realize, by the way, that the smaller size, that's actually going to be a negative to some people. It's a very subjective thing. And for me, it's a positive. For others, that is definitely going to be a negative. I acknowledge that. But above all, though, I have to say, for me... uh, and I think for a lot of people, range is king. The 50, 50 mile range difference between the 75D Model S and the long range Model 3, that pretty well sealed the deal for me as far as making that decision. 310 miles of range versus 259. Uh, The Model S is incredible. Don't get me wrong for a moment there. And by the way, for many, The Model S is going to be a better option for any number of reasons. Maybe the size of the car, the cargo volume, the comfort, the immediate availability of the Model S compared to the Model 3. But for me, the 3 has proven to be the best way to go, and I feel really good about about the course I'm on. So thanks for that call, Jeff. Let's close out with Alex in Wisconsin welcoming a first-time caller to the show. Uh, He's curious about my plans for the car once I finally get my hands on it. Alex, talk to me. Hey, Ryan. It's Alex from Wisconsin. I want to congratulate you on your ordering of the Model 3. As from what I know, you've worked really hard for this, and it's well-deserved. Once you've received your P3D, what are some things you want to do with it? Where are some places you want to go? Are you looking to participate in local car shows or do lots of meetups with fellow Tesla owners? Thought it'd be interesting to hear about your soon to be exciting adventures with your Tesla. Thank you for everything you do, as your podcasts are quite inspiring and only grow my love for Tesla significantly more. Thanks again. Fantastic question, Alex. Thank you for calling in, and I'm sure it will come as no surprise to any of you that I've thought about this a lot. I've maybe daydreamed about this a couple million times. I do indeed want to do lots of stuff with that car. I've never taken, I mentioned this earlier in the show, I've never taken a car to a drag strip, pardon me, drag strip or a track. I would really like to do both of those things because 
I bet they'd be really fun, especially in a Tesla with the low center of gravity and the killer handling. Now, I've heard that if you take a car to the track, it voids your warranty, so that would give me pause. I need to look into that, but drag strip for sure. Totally want to do that. I want to go see if I can beat any unsuspecting cars and have a little fun. Um, I also plan to go on, I really want to go on weekly weekend drives with my wife and daughter. Just pick some random lunch spot in the greater Bay Area and note that the Bay Area is actually a pretty big place as a whole. So there are no shortage of cool spots that are totally not close by our house at all and thus would require a nice long drive to get to, which would be half the point. Uh, another thing on my to-do list, there is a thing called the 17-mile drive down near Pebble Beach, which is supposed to be amazing. I've never done it before. I really want to do that. And this holiday, for sure, I would like to drive the car to Arizona to visit my parents. It's a uh, it's a long trip. I mean, we we do often go visit them over the holidays, but we've always flown uh as you can imagine, why would you want to just drive a gas-powered car for 12 hours when you can, I mean, yeah, it costs a little more, but when you have a, when you have a kid, flying is a lot more appealing. But, um, you know, I, this year with the Model 3, I could drive. It would be super cheap via the supercharging network. I could bring Daisy with me. And then I would have my car to drive once I get there, because we usually stay for like a week or so. Uh, and if you if you've ever been to Arizona, maybe you, if you live there or have spent time there, it's it's you need to have a car while you're in Arizona because it's way too vast a place to walk anywhere. Really, you can't walk anywhere except around your own neighborhood. But uh, I will say too, yes, club meetups would be great, and I absolutely love doing car shows. I always, always had fun with car shows when I had my DeLorean. Now, I'm not sure anybody's going to be looking for a Model 3 to be at a car show since they're going to be so mass-produced, but hey, we'll see. And uh, also, I just want to make one other note for to answer Evan from Connecticut's question along these same, same lines. I, I've uh, sort of run out of time for calls this week, but just to quickly chime in, Evan from Connecticut, I am planning to pick up my car in Fremont because it'll make for a really nice ride home. It's it's not super, super close, but it's not super, super far either. So it'll be a, be good to go out to right near the factory, go get it right from the mothership, and bring it on home. Thank you all so much for your excellent calls this week. I've got, I've already got like, let's see, one, two, three, gosh, four, like a bunch of calls already that I just couldn't get to. Some of these are going into the the hotline bonus episode on Patreon. Uh, my plan is to get that done this weekend. So hopefully by the time most of you are hearing this show, the Patreon bonus episode will be done uh, and posted. That's for the $10 and up uh, backers on Patreon. And that's all these excellent extra phone calls that I can't get to during the regular weekly show. Otherwise, I'd be I'd be uh, giving you a two-hour show, which is which is a little too much. So check that out if you're uh, with me on Patreon, and then uh, some of you I'll I'll just get to on next week's regular show as well. So if you didn't hear yourself, I I have heard you, uh, just didn't maybe get a chance to quite get to you on this week's show. All right, be right back with some parting thoughts right after this.
I want to start by mentioning that if you enjoy the show each and every week, you get a lot out of it. Hopefully information, entertainment, maybe a little bit of both. Uh, do consider supporting me on Patreon if you, uh, if you feel like that would be a cool thing to do. It's totally optional, obviously, but uh, every little bit of support helps and helps keep this podcast going. Because again, more and more time and energy goes into it every week, and I love doing it. Uh, but your support does mean the world to me. So you can find more information on that on my Patreon page. Find that at patreon.com slash teslapodcast. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. I want to thank the Patreon producers, the kind folks supporting me uh, at the producer level, $20 and higher. That's Jeff Bartram, Paul Hussey, DJ Harbaugh, Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassiopo, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Matthew Parra, Michael Lester, Robert Maracle, Jason Chalukas, Emotion Rentals, Richard Ouellette, Tim Hyde, Marcus Mayenschein, Lee Sweet, Lars Hoffman, Orion Coates, Peter Chalet, Harold Plug, Kenneth Martin, Michael Callahan, Rome Strack, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, Luke A., David Kittle, Eric Randolph, David Nondal, Luke Miles, Stefan Joris, and Gabriel Salais. Thank you all so, so much. Uh, let's see, if you're looking to get some gear for you and or your Tesla, check out abstractocean.com. They've got a whole ton of fun stuff, including a lot of lighting kit things, lighting for the interior, lighting for the exterior. The puddle lights are a big seller. They've got that tempered glass screen protector, specially fit for the Model 3. Uh, all that stuff at abstractocean.com and use the coupon code RTL Podcast. It's all one word. RTL Podcast. Use that coupon code at checkout and get 20% off of your very first order there. Uh, if you're picking up your Tesla and want to keep that paint looking good, even, you know, get it looking the best it can and then keep it that way, the folks at Immaculate Reflections can help you do that. They do everything from new car delivery prep, paint correction services, ceramic coatings using that C Quartz Finest Reserve, paint protection film, any of that or all of it. And they're currently offering a 10% uh, discount to listeners of this podcast. That's 10% off of anything, by the way. Whether you're doing a basic wash clay bar wax, you're doing paint correction, you're doing ceramic coating, you're doing the whole nine yards, whatever it is. Just give them the coupon code RTL10 when you're booking your appointment. They also offer a military discount for current or veteran military members. Just give your military or veteran ID card for another 10% that stacks on top of the uh, RTL10 code, which is pretty fantastic. That can sa potentially save you a ton of money off of, uh, off of detailing than protecting that new Tesla of yours. Uh, let's see. Oh, they're at irdetailing.com, by the way. The letter's irdetailing.com. If you're buying an S or an X, use my cousin Pat's code to get free unlimited lifetime supercharging. Just uh, give your sales advisor this code, Patrick5008. Or if you're doing it online, type in ts.la slash Patrick5008 into your browser. Uh, follow me on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan. You can always email me, teslapodcast at gmail.com. And subscribe to the podcast, please, if you don't already. You can subscribe on just about any of your favorite podcast services, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, which is, of course, now you can get the podcast in your Tesla as well. 
or Spotify. I'm on Spotify now too. And there's always the podcast hosting site where you can find individual episode downloads as well as the RSS feed. Find that at teslapodcast.libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N, dot com. All right, that wraps it up for me. It's been another fun, busy week of Tesla news. We'll see what comes out of the shareholders meeting next week. I'm going to try to get clips from that. That is the plan. Uh, That shouldn't be a problem because I think it's streamed, and I think that stream is archived as well, just like the quarterly conference calls. So look for that to be a fun topic next week. We'll get lots of Elon clips from there and see what else comes up in the world of Tesla news. So until then... Look for a new episode, of course, every Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. My name is Ryan McCaffrey for a very asleep Daisy the Boxer puppy. Happy electric motoring, my friends, and I'll see you next week.